Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply my funniest fact about Southampton is that they did a fundraiser to help save the club and they had to cancel it due to lack of interest. <laughs> uh, football soccer. at the end of the day. Football, it's a funny old game. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. In a week where we talked about Portsmouth FC, we enjoyed lots of great telly. That is a reference you're going to be getting in about 35 minutes' time. <laughs> so look forward to that. Uh, welcome to episode 14 of Comedians Talking About Football. I am Sam Michael here with you as always, your host. And my guest this week is Martin Ratton talking about Portsmouth FC. Now, of course, we're going to cover the infamous season that was their 2007-2008 FA Cup winning season. But I've got a question for my listeners. Uh, welcome listeners, by the way. Uh, and new listeners as well. If you're new to the podcast, why not go back, check out the previous episodes. Follow us on social social media as well i'm going to throw that one in here instagram and twitter at com talk footy pod anyway we've got a question for the listeners which is now of course you there's a lot to take in here but i mean very kind of hypothetically portsmouth have had a lot of ups and a lot of downs in the last 10 20 years and my question to you is that their success that came in 2007 2008 which a lot of people would have forgotten about maybe um obviously not pompey fans but i mean especially sort of younger fans will know won't, maybe won't know that the likes of crouch the likes of the foe were playing for them uh you know um benjani and they had a great season but it came at a cost and obviously that cost has now led to them down in the uh, what is it they're down in the third tier of english football so my question to you is would you rather do an Ipswich, and I'm only using Ipswich as an example, don't have a go at me. Ipswich, where they kind of lingered in the championship for about nine years, but they have always been financially secure, I'd say. Or would you take a big risk with your club, win the FA Cup, get into Europe, but even if it meant that failure following that would result in falling down a few divisions? Something for you to think about. I know it's a really kind of generic question, and from this episode you'll realize that so much there's so much more to it than just that but i do put the question to mine so (laughs) make of that what you will it's a very difficult question to answer for a portsmouth fan or anyone who's been through something like that because it isn't just the club that suffers it's obviously people's jobs it's the community and yada 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 anyway i'm gonna stop yapping and let's get straight into it this is comedians talking about football episode 14 martin ratton talking about portsmouth fc Martin Ratter, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's good. So we're going to talk about Portsmouth, and we've got quite a lot to talk about that because as we as we're recording this in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty one, you've just sacked your manager. Jacket's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, when was it? Yesterday or day before yesterday? 
yeah, I think it's time for him to go, to be honest. he's He's been there four years and for the most part of the football, mate, <laughs> it's been so bad. <laughs> it's been so bad. I'm nowhere... I'm not a glory fan of Portsmouth. I've seen us be crap all my life, apart from a little blip in the middle of the you know late 2000s where we had a good few seasons. But the football has been dire. It has been dire for years. And, uh, you know, we want to we wanna win the league. I think we're a big team in that league. You know, I think we can get in the top two. Um, but we're ne- we don't want to get there it, like the way we are. Yeah, just hoofball up the top, no plan B, just awful, awful football. Um, and I like Jacket. He, he seems like a good guy, um, but the the quality of football and the, the the no plan B option has been really bad. I was going to say I was quite shocked when I saw how long he'd been there. He joined in 2017, and you're right, it hasn't been all plain sailing for Portsmouth. The last few years and everything, you know, I know you've won a, a, a trophy, but at the same time, you kind of, you've dropped out the championship and it's been very much league one football for a while. Um, what is the kind of, because obviously you go back, you know, 10, 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, you're in the, prem, you're in the Premier League, you're in Europe at that yeah. stage. And of course, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll cover that in a bit, like the, the drop and everything. But what, what is it like to be a Portsmouth fan at the moment? How would you sum it up? Um, tedious, I think is is the best word because I think there's still a bit of forgetting that we're in League One and we are only going to attract League One players, and we've still got a percentage of that fan base who you know we're, I'm seeing things on the uh, on the forums and on Twitter and things saying oh get Eddie Howe in as manager, get you know Redknapp as manager, you know these people they're in cuckoo land. We're not going to get someone like that as much as we might like them um, because, and it's represented in the players we've got, you know, they're league one players. Sometimes they're, you know, Ronaldo and sometimes they are whatever the opposite of Ronaldo is, you know, and it, that's league one. And, you know, every now and then you'll score a worldie and then you'll just think, why are they not doing that week in, week out? I was going to say, you've got quite a few good players. You know, like John Marquise is obviously top goal scorer this season. Last season, top goal scorer, Ronan Curtis, who I'm a big fan of. And he's an international as well. So for League yeah. One, I'd say, you, you know, you've got some really good players. And is there a slight frustration there, you think, that with these players that you've got, they might be League One, but they're top tier League One, that you haven't got them promoted yet? And do you think that's why Jacket finally went? Because he's had, he's had opportunity after opportunity. And do you think yeah. that really they should have gone up by now? Yeah, I think... I think that that's the issue, is that by now we should have done it. Even with the squad we've got, I think that's the frustration, is that squad is good enough to get top two. Right. On a, on a good you know a good run. And uh, obviously we've flunked the playoffs a couple of times, uh, to be expected as a Pompey fan. Yeah, we do not win playoff games, that's a fact. But to try and get in the top two, I think we could have done it by now. And like you say, Curtis... He's a good player. He's a decent player. Um, and the frustration now is that, you know, with contracts and the limited options that you can pay players, although I think they've stopped that that cap now, um, we'll probably have to rebuild again. And that'll be another probably, you know, another season in League One, followed by a, a push the year after that, I guess. That is harsh. I mean, that's the. I suppose you're in a, in a way you're in a good position because... Or are you? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've been in this position before when you've got all the players who you think could take you up, but whether it's the management or something else in, you know, behind the scenes that it doesn't happen, you kind of, there is that kind of, you feel like there's an easy option now where you think, well, if you get in another manager, they should or could be able to do the job. But sometimes it's yeah. more refreshing when the whole team is rubbish from top to bottom. And yeah. when they, when you start getting a clear out, you think, right, we can have a fresh start. But I know what you mean. It seems to me that Portsmouth are in this position. There seems to be a lot of frustration from fans. And similarly, I, I don't know if you probably get fed up of this comparison because you've very much been the antagonists in the Netflix series, uh, Sunderland Till I Die. <laughs> but you're very yeah. much, it's kind of similar. You could easily have made that Portsmouth oh, Till yeah. I Die. Do you know what I mean? It's a very yeah. similar sort of story. I'm and pleased we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a funny old game. 
So that, where did it all start for you then, Martin, as um, as, as a Pompey fan? Uh, early 90s, uh, probably about 92, 93, I think. I'd had a few full starts going up to Brighton uh, occasionally, uh, just with a mate, but wasn't really, don't know, didn't really, didn't really interest me that much. Went up to the Goldstone a couple mm. of times. Um, and then another mate took us to Portsmouth, um, I think it was 92-93 season and his dad was a Pompey fan and we went up there from Eastbourne and uh, that was it got hooked I think first first time I went there I was like this is incredible um, we lost 1-0 to Ipswich mm. uh, perfect debut really as a Pompey fan you really <laughs> <laughs> you get to you get to experience what the next 20 years are definitely going to look like uh, Ian Marshall scored with his big black curly hair and uh, that was it and my dad, my dad used to work in Portsmouth so he took me down there um, to the games early on as well so and that was it and uh, yeah from there just mostly heartbreak to be honest well, it's interesting you say that <laughs> not not the heartbreak obviously but, <laughs> but um, about how how you kind of went to see Brighton play because they, they would be your nearest team at the time wouldn't they Brighton yeah they were yeah yeah um, I only really went there as just as a, you know, as an add-on, as a mate, yeah. to kind of go. Oh, we're going to do watch some foot. I was into football, hmm. uh, but not didn't really support a team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just just to watch some football really at the time. I find that interesting because I always feel that like we had um, a guest on uh, recently, Paul Cooper, who's the the dad of Daisy May Cooper and um, Charlie Cooper. Yeah. And I was quite surprised to hear they were Fulham fans. And yeah. I said, you know, they they spent their whole life pretty much in in you know the West Country, and obviously yeah. there's a lot of references in this country to um, to Swindon. So I assumed yeah. when I asked him, he'd be a Swindon fan. I was like, oh no, we're Fulham fans. It's the way his son just one day said, Dad, I, I think I want to go and see Fulham play. And it's that <laughs> feeling of that it seems, and I felt this with me with Reading, um, that it just seems to be your team picks you sometimes. Yeah, like, yeah. You can my, go my to games. Was a, he was a Charlton fan. My dad. Oh, really? them, and still is obviously a little bit, um, but and he, he never tried to sort of force it on us to go and watch Charlton play. And my grand lived two doors away from Plough Lane, and uh, you know a lot of the, my family are all live in Wimbledon, so kind of you know they, they mocked us for being the southerner. Mm-hmm. But I was the first one born in the south, really, oh, so right. uh, I had to support a southern team, really. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know Brighton. I've even watched Eastbourne play quite a few times, obviously down down with real local, um, different kind of football. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh I think I've seen Eastbourne play. I can't remember where it was. It might have been at Bristol Rovers. Don't ask me how or why I ended up seeing Eastbourne Bristol Rovers, but I think it was wow. a pre-season friendly or something. But yeah. Um <laughs> so then obviously forward that, she's sort of early nineties, kind of a bit of a mixed time probably not too dissimilar to how things are now but then you go forward yeah. to kind of the the late 90s and the early 2000s and you're up in the Premier League do you remember do you remember that promotion oh, mate, I remember it I I had the best years of my life there because I, I went to uni in Portsmouth oh uh, nice for, for obvious reasons <laughs> uh, I've got a, well I've actually well someone can challenge me on this but I believe I'm Portsmouth's youngest life season ticket holder so really yeah, so when we were going bust, uh, one of the first times, Mandarich offered these life season tickets. Uh, and so you'd have one for life, basically. So I bought one of them and uh, thinking, well, you know, doesn't matter what happens. You know, I'll, I'll buy it, see what happens. We go bust. We go bust. If we don't, you know, could get it for a few years. Who knows? You know, you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, two years later, we were, you know, fighting for promotion. And uh, you know Harry and Jim, and uh, I was at uni, and we got promoted in the in the first season that I was at uni, and that right. was just a blur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! Crazy. I mean, those those were those were a crazy few years. I mean, obviously we spent a lot of money in the championship at the time. You know, we had that ITV digital money come in, mm. and uh, they really went for it with the squad. And we were, on our day, we were worlds apart in that league. You know, us and Leicester 
were obviously fighting for it at the time, but we were playing good football. You know, it was we'd never seen that before. You know, just just things like you know, if you hit a long ball up top, it sticks to the guy at the top. You know, like it's not just then hoofed back into the middle of the park. You know, you you knock it long, it stays long with your man, and just stuff like that. Just unbelievable football. Paul Merson was just different yeah. class. God, guys are genius. That's the thing. You picked up these these sort of legendary players, and this became in, in my in my mind a bit of a theme for Portsmouth that you picked up quite a few. I mean, you had some really good young players. So if you just if we fast forward to sort of two thousand seven, two thousand eight, you know, you had players like um, you know Glenn Johnson coming through, and you know, but a lot of players kind of went to you could could be described maybe as kind of coming to their later years. So to some yeah. extent, um, you know, um, David James, and then you had uh, like um, Carnu and yeah. just, it was just like all we, sorts of... We were either going to resurrect their career or they were going to retire. It yeah. was one of those two things, you know, and it was a good mix. I mean, we had, yeah, at one point, I remember just looking at the lineup, just laughing my head off. You know, we had Distan, Campbell, <laughs> David James, Glenn Johnson, I mean, we had Diara in the middle with Montari. Yeah. I mean, what on earth? You know, come on. Like, this is, you know, Fran Park. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? We knew we had no money, you know, or we knew that this was all getting funded by something mm. because it's not getting funded by gate receipts. You know, there's there's 18,000 of us. We're not funding one player's wage a week, you know, let, let alone this first 11. You know, so... We all knew the money wasn't there, but yeah. no one cared. Because it was surprising, especially, you know, obviously during the Redknapp years, you brought in some really good players, which, which, with all respect, some people would have thought at the time was a big kind of step back for a few of the players. So players like Jermaine Defoe coming from Tottenham, Peter Crouch from Liverpool. But, I mean, players like that, they were at Portsmouth for maybe a season, but went, then went on. You know, Defoe, I think, went back to, to Tottenham, and I think then yeah. Crouch went to Tottenham as well. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they some players, you're right, went there, really. It's almost like they just... They were at these top clubs, but they went there, really made a name for themselves at Portsmouth, and then continued to have on these fantastic careers. Yeah, I mean they were they were a good player. I think we had a good, you know, seventy percent of that squad was still in their prime or coming mm. towards it. And so, yeah, for a couple of seasons there, we were we were great. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And then I suppose the big moment comes in two thousand eight when you win the FA Cup. Um, and uh, that was against Cardiff, wasn't it? 1-0, Carnu goal? Yeah, yeah. Carnu, he did the same against West Brom uh, in the semi-final, almost the same sort of goal. The <laughs> scrappy little tapping from about a yard out. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I remember his celebration being really strange as well. Yeah. He sort of went to turn I, and turn back yeah. and then back again, yeah. I was up in the gods for one of them, and uh, I thought he was flagged offside because I thought, what is he doing? He's like, right, I didn't know what he was doing. I was like, what's this going on? I thought he was offside. <laughs> so you win the FA Cup. That's great. And obviously things aren't sort of better than they've ever been for Portsmouth. Um, then it was a bit of a, if I remember right, there's a bit of a strange ending to the 2008 season, um, especially frustrating for me because your 1-0 loss to Fulham meant that my team, Reading, got relegated. I'll never forget right. that. Uh, and also that season, I should mention as well, I have an excuse to get Reading into every podcast. It's what I get I know what for. you're going to say here. <laughs> it's the, the 7-4 game. That uh, was the most ridiculous game. <laughs> I know Southampton are trying to, you know, be involved in the games with the most amount of goals, yeah. trying to lose like 9, 10, 11, yeah. 12 nil as much as they can. But that Reading game was, oh my God. I mean, it looked like any, it looked like any of us could score. Hmm. It was odd. It was so odd. And follow, in preparation for today, I went back and watched it. Um, I'm glad you got in a dig at Southampton as well, because I think by this point, John Matthews, our uh, Southampton fan, had already got in two digs at Pompey. <laughs> so uh, so I'm glad you're getting in. It's feel free to drop them in all through the episode in the interest of fairness on the podcast. Yeah, um, well, but yeah, they, they are <laughs> pathetic. They're absolutely <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> 
Um, and then obviously, yeah, the uh, the the seven four game, yeah, nuts. I mean, there's some goals scored from like, out that, was on, it Dave, the Dave Kitson scored from like sixty yards out or something. That's like, it. Just, yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You got a young and, Shane Long scoring as well, and just yeah, it was just a, an odd game. And it was, and it was what was really strange about it is, well, first of all, it was my, I think it was my first weekend I was at uni. Um, when that game happened. So I remember it really well. And it was back when you couldn't access goals that easily. We didn't have tellies yeah. in our um in our in our halls really. Like one would have it in a room, but we wouldn't all go in there to watch um, you know, we'd have to go around down the pub to watch Soccer Saturday, something like that. But my mate would get text updates on his phone. And I'd be like, Oh, can you let me know the reading score? I'd go, yeah, sure. Go, oh, you're one nil down. No, two nil down. Oh, you two one, three, two. And I assumed he was just completely winding me up because these <laughs> goals just got more ridiculous to the point I had to go and put a final score on. I'd be like, Christ, it's 6-4. Oh, now it's 7-4. Yeah, yeah and it, it just every attack at that point did just end in a in a goal. And then and then I think it was funny because then I think like two months later, we almost had the same incident at um at Tottenham where we lost 6-4. Oh, really? So it was a very wow. strange season for us. But but yeah, so that season comes to to an end. Um, and then obviously come the next season, Redknapp leaves for Tottenham. Uh, what were your what were your feelings when Redknapp left? Uh I think it was just the realization that we are in the Swanee. You know, we have got a problem. <laughs> if he's off, it's the we knew the chips are up. Uh I mean, obviously he'd left us before to go down the road mm. and relegate him and come back. Uh, he obviously wasn't going to do that with Spurs. But I think at the time, it was just the realisation that we... They, they, I think it was the realisation we're probably about to implode here. Right. <laughs> uh, and that that is step one. Uh, and we knew he's probably going to take a couple of our players with him because we knew we with the money was coming to an end. And it was all of thinking, well... If we lose one of Defoe, you know, or Crouch, he's probably going to take one of them. I think he ended up taking Defoe, Crouch, and Cranchar in the end. Yeah. He loves his Cranchar. Uh, with him wherever he goes. Yeah. He's probably walking the dogs down the beach with him right now. <laughs> um, so, so when he went, obviously, I mean, it was a bit of a real shame because you guys had just got into Europe as well. And obviously, yeah. I felt for Portsmouth back then. I do now anyway, with any kind of team who aren't the top six, or back then it would have been the top four, who have to go and face some sort of European um, venture. It's tough. It's really tough. And obviously, losing Redknapp and losing, you know, uh, Crouchy and uh, and Defoe, you, you were, you're in trouble. And I know the next appointment they made was Tony Adams, who came in as... Um, did, did he? I know he was obviously stepped up for a bit, but he became permanent manager, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. What was he the was feeling pretty... about that? Because I would have thought the way Portsmouth were playing, obviously quite ambitiously, is that you were trying to, you know, be a big team and, and, and I mean, get right up the top. And the fact that then when the player, the top, you know, your, your two, one of your two top goal scorers go, they weren't really replaced. And then you've got um, Tony Adams coming in. And then staying, was there a feeling that you thought, "Oh, come on, spend a bit of money, get us in a really good manager"? At the time, probably yes, you know. But Tony Adams spoke the talk, the talk. To be honest, I actually thought he was all right. Um, he'd come across well, you know. He, he knew the club. He'd obviously been there a little bit before, helping out and doing different things. But I think there was so much going on behind the scenes that whoever we had in was just on a slippery slope. Mm. You know, I think, you know, that was the start of coming in and then finding that they'd taken the chairs out the out the chairman's room, you know, because things were just getting lifted out. Of the, I mean, we were, uh, we should have been liquidated. I mean, the fact that we got a CVA, you know, that obviously HMRC appealed it. And uh, had they have gone through, it got overruled by the judge, but had they have gone through with it, we obviously would have been liquidated. And I think it was unprecedented, really, to, to let us do that CVA because we were paying pence back in the pounds. Yeah. You know, and a lot of local firms lost a lot of money. I was going to mention know, those, that. 
Yeah, because I know we when we spoke uh, before when you came on, um, one thing we'd mentioned, I'd, I'd sort of ask everyone before they come on when I emailed them, what's your kind of best moments and worst moments? And you did say, well, one of the best moments to, you know, getting promoted, going to the FA Cup final, all that, but it did have a detrimental effect on local businesses nearby. I mean, yeah. what was the feeling in Portsmouth when everything started to crumble around sort of 2009, 2010? I think there was a lot of there was a lot of anger towards Redknapp, hmm. you know, probably and almost definitely wrongly aimed at him. Hmm. Um, but he was the the villain, you know, because he's always obviously got this, um, you know, he's got, they've got the feeling that he's got sort of underhand doing dodgy deals, you know, or just not not so much dodgy deals, but more it was on his head that all these players come in at 50 grand a week, 60 grand a week, whatever we're paying them. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, he's not, he's not the money man. Mm. And, uh, you know, if the money's there, he'll get the players in. Um, and then obviously he left and took the, took some of our players with him. And I think there's a lot of anger towards him um, at the time that was probably misplaced because he, you know, he's just a manager of a football club. Mm. Ultimately, He doesn't fund, the play, you know, he's not paying the players. Um, but the, so there's a lot of anger there. But I think a lot of anger was misplaced because mm. people didn't know who to be angry at. Yeah. Because um, th- there's a lot of mystery as to what was going on with the finances yeah. for quite a few years. And it, it took a lot of people, a lot of fans, you know, had to become bloody accountants to try and work out what was going on in the football club. Because mm. there was, you know, suddenly we... We were sort of suddenly, oh, we're 100, you know, we're 60 million in debt. Oh, no, we've sold, you know, Cranchard, Defoe, Crouch, Montari, Diara. Oh, now we're 180 million in debt. What? <laughs> you know, what? Yeah. what's going on with the football club? Something is not right here. Um, and obviously, that was a long time after Harry had gone. Yeah, and I mean, I do feel that we, we kind of joked about it earlier, about the comparisons to Sunderland till I die but one thing you see in that documentary is how a relegation affects not just the club but the city around it you know these towns and and cities where football means so much to them and the staff as well at the football club you know you you, in in Sunderland till I die you see a lot about the catering staff who literally saying, well you know if they don't win today I might not have a job on Monday and Mm. I would expect that had there been a camera crew around the club in, you know, when you were relegated, you know, um, the season after Redknapp left, then God knows what you would have seen because so much must have happened, so much heartbreak, so many tragic things happen. And that's the thing, when people say, funnily enough, you know, there's the old saying, it's only a game, it's only football, but people don't realise that one of the the, the worst things that can ever happen to a club is is relegation because it literally takes people's livelihoods away. Um, yeah. I suppose I know I asked you what the atmosphere was like, but do you know much about what happened in the local area as the team dropped down, not just the championship and then down to League One? No, not not really. I mean, obviously, I'm not living there or not living there anymore, but mm. I know that they had a lot of things like catering is a great example where all of that stuff is just decimated because it's just fans are not buying, they're not coming in. Um, I mean, we're lucky in many ways that even in League One, we were still getting sort of seventeen, eighteen thousand, mm. you know. So, you know, that side of things did did pick up and get better, but it affects the city. You know, it's like a big. It's a city where football's the main thing there in Portsmouth. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I remember going on a night at Newcastle years back, and uh, the Friday night was you know rowdy and fun, and you know it was a good night out. But the Saturday after they lost at home, you could feel the tension. In the, really? in the city, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, everyone was on edge, and you could feel it wherever you went. And uh, you know, Portsmouth like that, it kind of lives and breathes through the football team. Mm. And uh, you know, it's not not everyone's into their football, but like you say, it, there's so many outside things that are affected by it. Out even outside of the football club as a as a whole, uh, because a lot of people, you know, lots of local businesses lost money. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, they were angry. Of course, yeah, understandably. Um, 
So my, my next question is a bit of a difficult one following that, because obviously of how many <laughs> lives were affected. But there's often a, a bit of a debate that goes around. And you hear it at clubs, especially like, like I'd say, club, clubs like, like mine and other clubs as well, who, who are, let's call them maybe yo-yo teams and, and championship teams, teams like Ipswich, uh, possibly Norwich. It seems like when they should spend money, they don't. They struggle yeah. a little bit. And they you sort of think, well, look, if we bought in... There might be a player going, for example, and you think, well, there's no reason we couldn't have spent the eight million and got him. And there's some frustration sometimes that comes from the fans. They're like, why won't he spend money? Why won't the chairman spend money? All this. But then there's the first thing a lot of people turn to is say, well, no, well, hang on. Look at what happened at Portsmouth. Look at what <laughs> happened there. There's been a bit of a debate about some of my mates who are Ipswich fans. They're kind of like, well, look, we have played it safe as houses. They are one of the safest teams financially as it goes. They, they, you know, they stay in the black. They're, you know, they're okay. Um, unfortunately, they have gone down to League One. And before then, I think they were in the championship for nine years, nine or ten years, solidly. Nothing yeah. really happened. And in the middle of the championship as well, every season, finishing 10th, 11th, 12th. And similarly, with with Bright with with Bristol City. Another team that we had a guest on here was a Bristol City fan, and they're another team who've just sort of sat in the championship. They did pop down to League One, I think, about 10 years ago, but since then, championship not really challenged. You know, they never got, to, as far as I could tell, to a to a, a, a playoff final. The last time I think they were at the playoff final was 2007, something like that. But one of these teams that kind of sits there, and they've got a billionaire owner. They've got a billionaire yeah. owner, and they probably could go out and buy a, prem, a premiership standard half the team but there is i think this debate still that you've got to be careful because you don't want to do a portsmouth but then a team like ipswich or some of my friends who are ipswich fans might turn around and go well yeah but that is bad that happens and they are in league one but we're also in league one now but we haven't got the memories so would you change it i suppose it's it wasn't really up to you who spent the money where but are you glad they did what they did are you glad that you had a few years in the premier league with crouch with defoe with cranshaw with uh Sheringham, with all these these top players, are you glad you had those years? Are you glad you have the FA Cup final? Are you glad you have the, all those memories? And although it did all fall apart, are you glad you did it, or would you rather have sort of stayed at this maybe lot bottom of the Premiership team, upper Championship team, and you'd probably still be in the Championship now? Maybe who knows? Maybe in the Premier League, are you glad they did what they did, or would you rather they played it safe? It's a, it, a toughie, isn't it? It's a toughie because yeah. I, I think. Had they have not won the FA Cup and that night against Milan, where we mm. ended up 2-2 under the lights of Fram Park, mm. we're never going to see things like that again. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's highly unlikely. So, for personally, if you take the business side away from it, mm. which I know you can't because that's the reality of the, yeah. of the thing, but uh, I would do it all again because it was just such a ride. You know, seeing those players at our little Fratton Park when we're used to seeing who knows what <laughs> come mm. through the doors. Uh, and also not just our own players, but the other players, you know, playing team like, you know, Milan, you know, mm. watching Ronaldinho play at Fratton Park. Um, who doesn't want to see that? Yeah. The, the hard thing is the the flip side of that, like your Reddings or even like your Southamptons. Like, they're, mm. they're, you know, we they're just a team that exists. They just exist. Yeah. What's the point of them? You know, what's <laughs> the point of finishing every season 16th? Mm. Who cares? That, that's, I do feel that. You know, there's been times where, you know, we've looked really good and it's like, this could be our year. And then we go and sell Shane Long. We go and sell Dave Kitson. We sell, you know, Adam LaFondre or, you know, all these sort of players who do quite well for like half a season. They're gone. I mean, even now we're having a good, we're having a good run at the moment. Um, and kind of going back to what you said earlier about going a manager of the risk, we, we bought in a manager who was Chicago uh, whatever they're called, Chicago Fire or FC or Chicago what? Fire, whatever they call really? in America. He was their manager yeah. and didn't have great time. And he was, he'd never played in, in England. He never didn't know much about English football. He comes in, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's, we've had our best, we had our best start to the season in, I think, 30 years. And we're now sitting, I think, fit, we're sitting fifth in the table. You know, we're six yeah. points, I think five, six points clear in the championship um, playoffs. And you think, well, this is great. But the problem we've got now is we've got players like Michael Elise who came through the, you know, the youth system. Yeah. We've got uh, like, you know, Ijara. We've got, um, you know, players who are doing really well. And there's every danger that if we don't 
go up this season. They're gone. They're all gone. Yeah. And that's kind of, but if we had done the Portsmouth, we could have kept them and bought in a few more Premier League standard players and then yeah. really pushed and gone ourselves up or won an FA Cup. And you sort of think, oh, would I rather have the memories? I don't know. It's 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 a difficult one. I suppose it's harder to, to, to decide that now because there are teams sort of since then who have, like Leicester, for example, who did it quite safely. They had a bit of yeah. a miracle season, but still. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, but that's interesting because I'm yet to have met a Portsmouth fan who, but hypothetically, they've all said, yeah, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Because what you're doing it for otherwise. Mm. You know, what, what are we all going there for, really, apart from a, like, a bit of mental release? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because there's no stimulation in League One. But like, <laughs> what are you doing it for? You you know, you might, you've got a, you've got a, you're competing to win, aren't you? You mm. want to go and win something. I think had we have not won the FA Cup and we just said, oh, well, we got to a cup final, you know, twice, say, mm. in 2008, 2010 and lost them both, then would it be worth it? Yeah. Maybe not. Because what, what what sticks in the memory is the winning. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's, that's what you remember. You don't want to remember your dad at Wembley when you lost. <laughs> So I wanted. To, I was quite interested to this as well. I've always wondered with Portsmouth, what's it like having Michael Eisner as a as a chairman? Because obviously he's quite a, an interesting guy, like mainly known for his work at Disney World. Yeah, um, quite a quite a jump, isn't it? Uh, Disney World to Fratton Park. Yeah, um, I mean, what it's like having him. You tell me, mate, because he is elusive. <laughs> <laughs> he he tweets every three weeks. Once we, if we won a game, uh, he, he come with a plan, right? And he he mm. talked the and uh, he was very believable. He was very clear in his ambition uh, and he was clear in what they're going to do. And he was clear, we are not going to do another point. And the fans back that because, you know, having owned the club as, a, as the fans for a few years, you do get an insight into this ain't easy. You know, he this said, is well, not... we're, we're not going to do another Portsmouth, do you say? Well, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were never going to spend, spend, spend because... Uh, you know what it's like. You go down to League One, you're all singing, you know, we're all going on a League One tour. You know, five years later, that tour is, is, is embedded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and it's not an easy league to get out of. You know, it is it is a tough league, like like any like any league. And it is, you know, it's a tough league to try and get out of. Mm. And uh, he was clear, you know, we're not going to come in and spend 20 million and try and just get the best players and go up. We're going to do it in a sustainable, financially prude, prudent way. Mm. And we're going to stick. And that was his approach with Kenny Jacket. You know, no, we're sticking with our man year after year. But it got to the point where, you know, it was like Blackadder, you know, where they just keep going. <laughs> they keep doing the same thing and expect, well, I can't remember where they, where they keep expecting a different result. But it, it, it's not happening, you know. Uh, and they stuck by their guns. You know, that I think mm. they've been relatively good owners, uh, but obviously the fans always want a bit more. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with having tasted it. You want a bit more. Mm. No, I bet. And it's, I suppose the thing that's really good is that you've got, whether it be against Milan, whether it be an FA Cup final, you pack the place out as Pompey fans. And you continue to do that now, even down, obviously not during, during the, the lockdown, but you know, Pompey fans are still going there in droves and filling the place out even in League One. Yeah, I mean that's been really good. You know, to go there and see pretty much the stands as full as they were against Milan when we're playing. You know, whoever at home, it's been incredible. Even down in in uh, you know whatever league, we've been filling them out. Uh, pretty much the whole time, you know. The, the fans are, are loyal. Like I say, it's a, it's a it's a city that breathes around the football club, and they mm-hmm. will go. But I think had they have been going this year, I, I think the place would have been volatile to mm-hmm. say the least. Uh, it's because uh, they just want to see effort. Yeah, they want to see the team work really hard. You know, I saw someone say the other day, you know, we're a working class city. We want to see working class footballers. We want to see graft, grit, and we don't really care. Uh, so as long as the effort's there, they want to see you like fighting for that ball, even though it's going out for a goal kick for sure. You know, actually chase it down and hunt them down, and and you know really get into them. And that we weren't doing that, 
because we're bypassing our entire midfield <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for the most part. And uh, it's how, you know, it's tough. I think Kenny had to go. And uh, I think the fans, whatever happens, it will lift the club up a bit now. Well, was the final the other day, was that the last straw, do you think? Um, yeah. But I think you've got to question the players as well there. I mean, you're at Wembley. You're playing a team from a league below. You've got a chance, some of them players, for the first time to win a medal at Wembley. Mm. If you can't lift yourself up for that, then what are you doing? Yeah. And that's not just Kenny Jackett's fault. You know, you've got to to look at the players there and be, you know, I don't know whether they were just not playing for the manager, but it doesn't make a lot of sense in my head. You know, surely you'd want to win a final that is a very winnable final as well on paper. Yeah. I mean, Salford played well. Yeah, they, they did. Uh, you know, they should have been out of sight, which is embarrassing, mm. but it's the reality of the game. They could have been 4-0 up and, yeah. and, you know, waltz in it. But, yeah, you've got to look at the players there. And they are the same players pretty much that have been playing our league season. Yeah. It's not like we rotated a lot of people. I mean, that's the thing as well, is that it was quite a weird um, final, wasn't it? Because, I mean, um, it, I mean, it was from last year, for a start. Yeah. It was actually the... Um, <laughs> I mean, it was last year. And the fact is that had you won it, you only would have, only would have had it for 24 hours. That's yeah, got to be a record. I'm putting that, that's yeah. got to be a pub quiz. The shortest time ever to hold a domestic cup. Yeah, well, because we would have been the first team to retain it as well, that mm. cup because we won it the year before, and then yeah. we would have held it for the least. You know, Pompey held the record for holding the FA Cup the longest. Oh, really? Because they won it in, like, 1939, and then it wasn't played until after the war. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We held it for, like, quite a few thousand days, I think, in the end. <laughs> there you that's go. Our, that, that's our that, claim to fame. That would have been good, because then you could have had the longest reign of a and the shortest. <laughs> and the shortest. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I mean, that just sums Pompey up, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's talk a bit about um, stand-up then, Martin, because you you were saying just now um, you've not really done any uh, online gigs um, and you're just desperate now. As Like I said, as we're recording this in March 2021, we've now got what they call a roadmap to kind of things opening up again. It looks like it's going to be kind of late, middle, late May that we'll be able to be gigging again. Uh, you're saying you're desperate to get back into the the clubs and the theatres. Yeah, I just... I, I keep looking at those Zoom gigs with a bit of envy uh, because uh, they look they look interesting to do, mm-hmm. but I just want to get back out of life. And uh, I've not done any Zoom things at all. I've been busy writing stuff, uh, but obviously you've got nowhere to test it. So your new minutes will be, uh, it will be interesting shaking that rust off. Yeah. Uh, getting back out there live and uh, doing some new, doing some <laughs> untried, <laughs> untried new material. Uh, I think everyone's going to be, I'm thinking everyone's just going to be desperate to get out and have a laugh as well. Mm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting back live. Just, uh, well, hopefully the roadmap can, you know, get stick to that timing, hopefully, yeah, and get us all back out there. Did you did you gig much during the summer when the kind of the restrictions were lifted? Yeah, I did a bit. I did a few a few different ones, and that that I'm pleased I did because that was a uh, you realised how long I hadn't actually gigged for mm. between the two things, you know, between that at the end of the the first lockdown and the start of the second one, or oh, I can't even remember now. But the, those months of gigging at that time. Yeah, I suddenly realised God, it's been sort of six months or whatever it was yeah. where you I'd not really said any words. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. Did you do any outdoor sort of gigs at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did did some outdoor things. I was supposed to do one at Christmas time, funny enough, in a um a venue that where all the audience were in cars. Yeah, and uh, yeah. tuning in, you know those ones. <laughs> uh, I, it got canned in the end, and actually, 
maybe that was for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a, we had a few of them around here actually. Yeah, they weren't. Were, I think I prefer a Zoom gig to a car gig, to be honest. Especially ones where yeah. I heard that, that instead of laughing, they all honk their horns. I can't That's think it. of yeah. anything worse. That feels like, like a heckle. Yeah, and um, also people they can just drive off. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> like the worst heckle ever. Um, or they just like just tune into a different radio station. And they're yeah. like yeah, they're sort of like nodding along, but they're not even they're just <laughs> listening to bloody radio or something. Oh god, yeah, there's a strange one. I don't think they'll stick around, hopefully. Um no. but, but yeah, it was it was an odd one. I mean, like I was we were sort of chatting a bit before we started recording that I I did my first one about three weeks ago. And I'm glad I'd, I only really did it because I knew that I was doing it with I knew everyone on the bill. It was kind of a local gig in, in Reading, and I knew everyone on the Reading scene. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I know everyone on this, it'll be fine. And there was there was no actual live audience like in, in the Zoom. They were watching on Facebook and kind of leaving comments at the bottom. And then we were kind of acting as each other's audience and stuff. And and I actually found it really good fun, mainly just to see other comedians again. Like like yeah. like this now. Us just chatting about comedy. I mean, the only person I'm you know, I'm stuck in lockdown with my wife and she doesn't really like stand-up. So if yeah. ever I want to talk to her about James Acaster's latest you know, show or here's a new bit I'm <laughs> trying. She's like, I don't give a shit. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> you know, um, I was a little bit offended the other day, actually, as a side note. We all, what, did you see that um, Channel 4 thing where like five comedians and five, um, yeah, and five celebrities went on? So there was this woman doing it. I've forgotten her name, but she was in, she was in Coronation Street yeah. and she was with uh, Zoe Lyons. And my wife's a huge Coronation Street fan. And like right. I said, me and my wife don't talk about comedy too much she's very supportive she's been to a couple of gigs but it's not really her scene um and we watched it and, and whoever this girl was she really liked her on cory and she went on and my wife went oh just such admiration for her getting up there and doing that and i was like i am here i have been here for three years doing exactly the same thing and i've never once heard her say that the only but, answer to that is get yourself in cory mate yeah get exactly that she might actually start watching um <laughs> but yeah we had um yeah, so I've done that, and I'm doing one more in a, in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, like I said, again, purely because I'm I'm emceeing that one from a pub, so it's like an excuse yeah. to go to a pub during lockdown. Brilliant, but I'm I'm kind of glad I'm doing it because I got to put. I decided if I'm going to do this this Zoom gig, it's all going to be new stuff. It's all yeah. going to be new stuff because I want to try and test stuff. And I felt bad because when the first lockdown came in, I think I was really quite annoyed about it because I really wanted 2020 to be like quite. A, a good year for me to stand up because I'd taken quite a long break. I think like in 2018 and early part of 2019, I didn't really do any gigs at all. So I'd like 18 months off, got back into 2019 and went, right, 2020, I'm going to do a hundred gigs at least this year. Yeah. I ended up doing 50. <laughs> yeah. but like, and then I ended and I was like, uh, I was going to do my first half hour show with a friend of mine as well. Southampton fan though. Um, yeah. So uh, no, one's, no one's perfect. <laughs> so we we did that and um and obviously it all, all went so i decided just to not do anything i just went, i'm just gonna sit here and it seemed to me that everything opened up a little bit it kind of took me by surprise and i found summer just awful because i think i just thought it was going to be like a pause and carry on going and i got back out there and i would honestly say every gig i did in that summer i died on my ass Absolutely yeah died on my ass i found it i couldn't get back into it i felt i fell back into old habits that i yeah. hadn't had since i was had started out and i just couldn't shake it and started getting sort of talking too fast on stage and i'd yeah. had a miserable time how did you find the break and then coming back how did you yeah. find it I, I was shaky uh on that first one back it was like i wanted to feel the nerves to feel good like as in good nerves mm. when you're kind of you're a bit ner- a bit apprehensive about coming out and all of that you know but in a good way but i, I almost got the jitters <laughs> at one yeah. point where which i'd not felt for years doing it years and years and uh, I think the audience uh, were a bit all over the place as well because it was almost like they were all over the shop because they'd been let out for the first time in yeah. you know, six months. And uh, yeah, it was a weird, I think everyone's sort of apprehensive as well because the, the virus was still ongoing, Yeah, you know, even though lockdown had, had more or less ended at that point. I think there was still kind of confusion as to what you could and couldn't do. And um, yeah, it was a... It was a weird time, that little mm. gap. I'm pleased I gigged because otherwise it yeah. would have been an even bigger gap. And yeah. it made me think, oh, actually, now when I go back out there, I'm going to care less. 
you know, yeah. I really won't care about going back out there again. Uh, but yeah, it's a funny, funny little period that it was strange. Did you notice as well that some of the some of the acts wanted to talk about like lockdown and the virus and everything, and some acts didn't mention it at all. There was a weird yeah. mix of people going, "Well, I'm not going to talk about it," because to them it was like the new Brexit. They were like, "Oh, yeah. everyone's going to make jokes, but I'm not going to touch it." They went out and just did like a set that wouldn't look any different at any other time of. <laughs> any other you know 2019 2018 whatever and then some people yeah. came straight out with all this material and it was it was yeah. so odd and, and and obviously sometimes it was some audiences lapped it up some audience you could tell just wanted to be like right we've been in lockdown tell us what was funny about lockdown because we want to relate to this and some audiences yeah. just just were like do not joke about this this is really serious we've come to get away from it so you're right audiences were a bit all over the place yeah because it's a, it's a weird one isn't it that kind of thing because if you're not going to do it justice and you go out there and start making light of it, and then you've got people who have known people that have had it or mm. have been very ill from it, then you're going to alienate people quite quickly with something that's still quite raw. Yeah. You know, it's still, well, it's still ongoing, isn't it, at that point? Yeah. Um, I mentioned it at the start of my sets, but just briefly, really, to just, you mm. know, say how nice it is about the house and all that sort of rubbish. But beyond that, I didn't really talk about it. I'd, so I've not written any material on it, really. Um, what I've tried to do is write material that has come because of it yeah. without mentioning it at yeah. all. And gone, actually, here's, here's the angle, but it doesn't matter why, you know, because mm. in a in a year's time or whatever, I could still use that material and don't need to, you don't need to know where it's from. It's just a thing that happened. That's why I don't talk about anything serious because I just, yeah. you know, I know there's all this like, you know, free speech brigade and everything like that, but I don't want to, I am conscious about I don't want to offend I really don't want to offend people and I want my set to be you know accessible to all yeah really. I want it to be young and old without alienating people so I'm, you know I'm never just going to talk uh, about certain things mm. that would alienate a, an age group or something because I hate that I hate watching <laughs> people where you just feel like you can you're totally unrelatable yeah no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I want to talk about your act as well because I'll talk about the times we've gigged together. So we've gigged together twice, I think, <laughs> and we've gigged together at um, the downstairs at the King's Head. We've done that before. And yeah. I want to talk about another gig where I think we first met, which is such a random night. And um, <laughs> do you remember this? It was this is in Brighton. Was yeah, it? it was a charity yeah. night run by uh, the daughter, Alex. Yeah, from the Michael from family from Gogglebox, yeah. <laughs> it's the weirdest time. I was trying to remember how I even got that gig, and actually I can't remember. I don't oh, know where that gig come from. I don't know how I got on there, because I remember she had quite, well, I think she still does have a lot of followers on Twitter, and she put something out, like at the end of one episode, something like, oh, I'm looking for any comedians who want to do a charity gig. And I said... Oh yeah, I am, and I sent her the worst video ever because I'm not that gig that we did in Brighton. That was my eighth ever gig. Wow, was it really? <laughs> oh, my eighth ever gig, yeah. <laughs> like, wow, and I remember I was we went with um, is it Ben Ben Robson? Yeah, ben. Is that, and it was it was odd because she booked it, and obviously she wasn't a comedy booker. And I think Phil Lucas was was headlining. Hilarious yeah. act, love Phil Lucas, and he um he basically. I think offered to say, well, I'll, I'll book it. Cause I know I have a comedy thing. She was, and she ran it herself. But if I remember right, um, we had an MC who did 25 minutes at the start. And then I think Ben did five minutes and I did 10 minutes. And then it was sort of just a bit sort of stacked and it went sort of late into yeah. the night and all that. Yeah. But I remember Ben at the time being like, and Ben had done something like maybe 40 gigs, 45 gigs. And he was like getting his type five, very much sort of the London, thing of getting his type five and then he was like oh well nice you, you're on to your tens and i being outside of london i'd only ever done 10 minutes at like open mic nights because you go sort of yeah. southwest or whatever you're never going to get a five minute set they're all 10 minutes and i'd done seven and he comes and he's like oh wow how did, how did you find getting your five to your ten and i just had to, i thought i didn't want to turn around to you and go guys i'm really sorry i am a fucking rookie at this <laughs> i think she's just like yeah man just doing the fives getting some tens it was obvious it was just, i think i did like 7 minutes or something but it was such a, a strange but fun was evening really i was the only one there who wasn't from brighton as well yeah i think that must be i must have got that through phil i think then at the time i or more maybe ben um 
but that was weird because I remember ages after seeing that all that family were there in a row like how they sit <laughs> they like how they sit on the tv show they were kind of like five rows back sitting in the same places as the tv show <laughs> <laughs> no this is the thing that i'll always remember because because they took pictures that night and for me it was like a big deal it was like oh, this is my first gig in brighton and you know and it might have been my first gig outside the southwest actually so i was like obviously heading a bit more south south and it was like miles away from the southwest like it's just a little yeah. bit over and i'm going down to brighton i did it and i remember everyone was a bit like oh you're not from brighton i went oh no and they went oh you're, you're here for the the festival I went no <laughs> and I th- i've forgotten his name joe i think just went so you've come all the way here to do this and i'm like yeah man just like, yeah he's like Okay, cool, cool. And he was very kind actually afterwards. He was like, So you didn't know there was a even a comedy festival on? And I'm like, No, you went, can't, we'll go. And we went there. I think we stayed there till like two in the morning or something. Yeah. We went, I... we, we went there afterwards. But I, I remember it really, it was really good fun. And you guys were really, really lovely to me because you all knew each other and could easily have yeah. just been like, Who the fuck is this guy? But you were very <laughs> kind, at least to my face. And, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was an odd gig. But I will never forget that. Someone took a picture from me from the side of the stage, where I look a lot more professional than I actually was. And you're right, and 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 it must be a moment where I've said something that seemed to go okay, because the mo- the majority of the audience who were there are laughing, except in the middle, as you said, they are sat. It's like the mum, the dad, and the son all in the order there, and they're all just sat there, completely serious faced. Like amazing, the it's, it's a weird moment doing. Do you remember doing that gig and just seeing them? Like, yeah, I didn't see them until the end, like near the end of my set, and thinking, Oh, that's all those, that's them, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't think they were there. It was such a, it was such a weird, such a weird room that because you're hot, really high up on the stage, aren't you, as well, mm. compared to where the audience are. You're kind of like two meters above them, and then you're looking down straight away at them, which is a really odd little position to be in, yeah. I remember one thing I remember about that as well was that it was obviously a charity night and I remember being told to push the charity, push the charity. Yeah. Cool. And then they said, Oh, and if you can push the hot wings. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So good. Those nights when you're, when you're, I love looking back on those kind of nights where, do you know what? That's Ben as well. I think Ben, and do you know a a guy called Graham Collard? Uh, Only by name. I've not met him. So me and him were doing a gig somewhere for for a charity, and uh, this this there was a, a raffle on, and there was uh, it was one of those classic kind of cut the gig up in the middle with a raffle, yeah, and uh, really tough room looking back because no one's actually there for comedy; mm. they're just there for a night out, and you just happen to be there, you know, on the side. You're doing it in the pub, in the corner of a pub. It's got all the hallmarks of disaster. You know, there's no segregation between the, the bar and the and the rest of the pub. You know, people playing billiards in the corner. Really, you know, like it was shocking. And uh, me and Ben Robson, and I think Graham Collard was there as well. Uh, we were just sort of standing around in the corner of this this venue near near where the makeshift stage was. Mm. And uh, this lady came over. She said, "Oh, can I um." can I take a picture? And we were like, yeah, yeah, okay. So we all sort of stood in a line. And then she goes, oh, sorry, could you move like a little bit to the right? We're like, yeah. So we all shuffled along as a trio. And then, sorry, a bit, bit more. So we shuffled again. And she took a picture of the raffle prizes. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was the absolute worst. It was as low as you could get. Oh, amazing. And, uh, that was the best thing on that night. <laughs> the worst i do feel like the night we did together in brighton was they people were there to see the goggle box family yeah <laughs> and they didn't even like, go on stage no they did <laughs> i just i just could, we could have just put them up put them up there i mean what yeah. would have been a nice niche is to have all four of them just sort of sat up there critiquing our acts would have probably worked better um i remember the mum heckled me at one point yeah she the, was really vocal. <laughs> she was really vocal. And the dad was really loud at laughing, which was great. He laughed at everything, so that helps. But yeah. the mum was literally He also just said saying, if he liked it afterwards. I remember he laughed it. He laughed at things, and then he goes, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's like it was Gogglebox. It was just falling <laughs> to the family and them giving feedback as they go. Um, yeah. Oh, that was fun. 
That was fun. But yeah, so that's when we first met. I remember us talking about football that night. So yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> It's a funny old game. Comedians talking about football. Right, Martin. Well, we are going to uh, we're going to we're going to finish on the on the big quiz time. Um, I feel I need to 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 remind the rules because the last two people I've had on the podcast have been really upset. <laughs> right. Right. I've had to cut them out. I'm not going to say who it was, but <laughs> so basically, it's ten questions, right? Yeah. And I'm going to give you the question, and if you give me the right answer, you get through. If you give me the wrong answer, it's like sudden death penalty shootout. You're out. So you've got to yeah. get them all right in a row. The most you can get is ten, because I think three times now I've gone. Oh, it's all over. They go. Oh, never mind. I'll get the next one. I'm like, no, that's the end. They go. Well, that's not. Well, that's that's not. That's three out of four. Then isn't it? It's not. Three out of ten. I was like, well, no, but ten. So it's ten questions, Martin. If you get one wrong, yeah. you're out. <laughs> Mate, this could go horribly wrong. Right then. So here it is. Question one. At the end of the 2002-2003 season, Portsmouth won promotion to which division? There are multiple answers. Um, division one, division three, division two, or the Premier League? Premier League. Correct. Do I like that? Nicely done. Oh, can't get that one wrong. <laughs> what is the nickname? No, no multiple choice um, answers here. So we've already gone in really, really hard. Um, I should say today's quiz is not brought to you by the Beano or Newsround. It is brought by FunTrivia.com. Um, and I'm on an unsecure network, apparently, so we better get this done. Um, <laughs> uh, so the nickname, what is the nickname of Portsmouth FC? Uh, Pompey. Do I like that? Correct. That's it. Two. Joint bottom at the moment. Right. Happy days. Which ground have Portsmouth played all their home matches at in the 20th century? Fram Park. Correct. Do I like that? Every football team has a rival, a team that fans love to see being beaten. Many rivals include Manchester United and Manchester City, Newcastle and Sunderland, Liverpool and Everton. Who are the arch rivals of Portsmouth FC? Uh, scummers. Southampton Football Club. Correct. <laughs> do I like that? What colours do Portsmouth play in whilst at home? Is it, now is it, blue and white, white, red and white, gold or blue? <laughs> blue, blue and white. Do I like that? Correct. It's all going well. It's all going very well. Um which former West Ham manager and father of famous England star was the manager for the 2002-2003 season? Harry Redknapp. Correct. Do I like that? Who were the sponsors of Portsmouth during the 2002-2003 season? Was it KJC, TY, local newspaper or Bishop Printers? TY. Correct. Do I like that? In 2001... Goal pe- goalkeeper Aaron Flahaven, uh, yeah. yeah. known as Flav, that would be easier, to the Portsmouth fans, tragically lost his life. Oh, this has actually got pretty dark. This was a fun quiz until this happened. <laughs> Who wow. puts that in a quiz? Um, he was a really good good goalie for us. Really good. What a, what a weird one to chuck in the middle of the quiz. Well, I'm not doing funtrivia.com again. I want to stick to the Beano. You wouldn't get a question what? like that in the Beano. No, I mean, you shouldn't get it in something called fun trivia, really. <laughs> so, uh, Portsman, Portsmouth won the FA Cup for the first time in which year? I'll go 1938. Get round! No, don't! Bloody! Well, Martin, the bad news is, obviously, you didn't get 10 out of 10. But the what? good news is you don't go away empty-handed. I've got a gift for you for coming on and taking the challenge. A football shirt, a Pompey one, of course. Now, what I try, this is hard, this one, because I because because I I don't know you too well. I don't know what your wardrobe's like. Uh, I don't know what shirts you have, do or don't have. So, um, oh mate, that's nice. So I'm, yeah. I believe it's 2010-11 season. Could uh, be. Yeah, that'd be about right. 
yeah. yeah, I think it might be that one, or if not, the season before or after. Um, I'll take your address after afterwards, and oh, I mate. will send that over, mate. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, mate. Mate, it's been great. And just uh, just as we talk, uh, we have just gone on to score an own goal to go one nil down to Peterborough. <laughs> What an ending to this podcast. Just like business as usual. <laughs> it's as good as it gets, lads. <laughs> Quickly, do you want to say something about Southampton to cheer yourself up before we go? Uh, yeah, I hope they lose 9-0 again. Uh, I think they're... My funniest fact about Southampton is that they did a fundraiser to help save the club and they had to cancel it due to lack of interest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my favourite Daily Echo uh, newspaper clipping I've ever seen in my life. Oh, man. Love it. Love it. Well, cheers, Martin. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Speak to you soon. A huge thank you to Martin Ratton for talking about Portsmouth FC. Do you know what I've decided? I think that's the quiz done. I, I, I'm i done with the quiz. I, I cannot be doing with it. And it actually, do you know what? It's actually left a sour taste at the end of some of the podcasts. Don't worry about it. Anyway, quiz is dead. That's the last quiz we're going to do. Um, and yeah, it's 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 dead. The quiz is dead as of now. So on that bombshell, <laughs> join us next week for another episode of Comedians Talking About Football. Our guest is Maisie Adam, and she's talking about Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. So I will see you then. Until then, I've been Sam Michael. Thank you very much. Follow us on social media. Get us on Instagram and Twitter, the same handle, at ComTalkFootyPod. Uh, and I will speak to you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Football. At the end of the day, football, it's a funny old game, comedians talking about football, comedians talking about football, sports social podcast network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.